listening to episode 213 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Wayne as we try to reverse our downward mobility by discussing episodes one and two of season one of Joss Whedon's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, starring Sarah Michelle Gellar and Anthony Head. And we finally got to it. But yeah, well, yeah, anyway, yeah. but uh, as always, yeah, before we go too so far, I want to remind really you, very far send it. <laughs> uh, we haven't got, but but we got so much to talk about. So, you know, we better, yes. you know, cut out all the chit chat and uh, remind you guys, emails at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com website. You can leave us a voicemail, record your own audio clip if you want, send us the MP3 as an attachment, tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch. Or just consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. So we have got a lot to talk about with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's about damn time. I think we looked at it. You've never seen it, right? I had never okay. seen it. Uh, I though you know, like so it's fun. I mean, you you, know, you were a teacher in the nineties as well when these were showing, and like the kids were just talking about this show all the time. Yeah, you know, like all yeah, it's so it's kind of funny to finally kind of put like a face to all these characters who I remember hearing about, you know, from the kids talking, but uh yeah. You know. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing, you know, now supernatural shows you know, really are a dime a dozen. There's a ton of them and and fortunately most of them are pretty yeah. good. But when Buffy aired, I don't think there were certainly as many. I mean, the X-Files was was coming out. I guess the X-Files had been on for a few seasons, so sci-fi was starting to make a, a return, but there wasn't a ton, you know? I mean, Twilight Zone had been off the air for a while, so uh, it, it really, I guess, to a certain extent, is the, uh, uh, you know, the grandfather. Yeah, there wasn't even any Doctor Who. No, it. right at that point, sure. So, all right, well, it, it came on as a mid-season replacement on the WB, which eventually became the CW, and targeted a younger audience. And as you said, you know, most of the high school kids were into it, or certainly many of them were into it. And mm-hmm. this was Joss Whedon's, I guess you could argue that it's his, it was his big break, you know, because this was really the first show that, that w- was his. And uh, this one's called Welcome to the Hellmouth, season one, episode one, directed by Charles Martin Smith, and this one aired March 10th, 1997. Now, Joss wrote and directed an unaired pilot, and, and there was a brief. It didn't really get more than a couple of uh, exchanges on the Facebook group about uh, the unaired pilot of Dollhouse. This one was never intended to actually air, and it's actually only about, I think, 25 or 30 minutes in length, just intended to give the network an idea of what the show would be like and 20th Century Fox finally agreed to let Joss act as showrunner, but they weren't entirely confident because he had really very little experience. So they they added a co-producer, I guess, to look over his shoulder. And, you know, obviously, I guess the rest is history. <laughs> so to speak, yeah. But uh, so how long, how, long, how long did this thing go on? I believe it went Six seasons, I want to say six. I'm not sure. Uh, Angel was a spinoff, and and I think Angel had right. at least three seasons. Again, where's Diane when we need her? Our, our resident, or Kevin Batchelder. 
resident Buffy experts, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we're really just going to talk about episodes one and two, which aired the same night. And I- I'm just going to start off. I really, really enjoyed both of these. Yeah. There's, t- I mean, you know, like it's, Who's going to get up and say they, they sucked, right? Well, <laughs> like, it was a very successful show that, um, it's obviously there, there, there's something to it, you know? Well, the 4,400 was very successful and we pretty much said it sucked. Was it? No, I just made that up. All right. Was, like, <laughs> <laughs> Not the part about that. We said it sucked, but it's like, how is that possible? No, <laughs> no. um, no, I mean like, you know, obviously, and as far as like, like you said, like just. I mean, as far as cred in the sci-fi supernatural community, I mean, Buffy is is up there, right? It's like like uh, the Bible kind of. Not, I mean, not the Bible. I want to get a little too far with that, I guess. But you know, it's it is considered the you know like the kind of the the gold standard um, by which a lot of other shows are, are measured, right? Yeah, sure. They're certainly the progenitor, as you said. You know, like you can't look at Supernatural, for example, and say. Well, I think they might have gotten this a little bit from Buffy, you know, like, so yeah, a lot of the shows now that we see, the superhero shows, um, you know, and, and that probably the only thing I would say the critical of it, but it's not a criticism actually, is that when watching it now in, in 2017, I'm like, oh, well, that's done all the time. That's cliche, kind of, but it's like, not because it wasn't back then. I mean, it, it is now because Buffy's been copied and imitated so much that a lot of the things I think that, uh, you know, they um, kind of started there now are, you know, in the show today, we'd say, oh, well, that's that's been done. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think one of the things you have to do is go into Buffy with an open mind. If you didn't watch it in 1997, the the way we didn't, here we are 20 years later, we've got 20 years of genre television experience, as well as the fact that the technology is so much better. That said, I'm really impressed with, with the special effects that Buffy did did employ in these first two episodes and while we always talk about joss and his snappy witty dialogue here we kind of get the 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 first examples of that but what we have to understand is this show was geared towards young people doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that older people can't enjoy it and then i go back to what i just said you got to take it for what it is and you know there are some like you said, I'm going to use the word criticisms, but they're not really criticisms. I mean, we're kind of going to criticize, I think, some of the characters, but that's probably what Joss intended our reaction to be. Mm-hmm. So, again, anytime, and we've talked about this a lot, anytime a television show takes place in a high school, our antenna, <laughs> our antenna go up immediately. Yeah. Yeah, right. And okay, that's fine. Forget it. <laughs> we, we don't ca- I don't care about any of the right. inconsistencies. So. Well, yeah, 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 exactly. And you know what you there are certain kind of conventions that you expect when you set something in a high school, right? And I think what you know, right from the start is what I you know, I love is, you know, Joss Whedon taking 
the conventions and kind of flipping them around a little bit, you know? Oh, um, sure. You know, I, I like right at first, and, you know, it's so funny because, you know, again, watching it in 2017, we see the two kids breaking into the school, the guy who is obviously, you know, planning on leading this young girl astray, the girl uncertain, and it seems like he's the predator and she's the prey. And I just, right, right before, I'm like, you know what? I bet you the girl's the vampire. And, you know, sure enough. So right away, he's taking that very conventional beginning to a teenage horror movie and flipping it around. Exactly. And, and doing something unexpected, which is, which is great. Yeah, right. I like it. Right. And, and the whole lead up to that, you know, the creepy, gloomy night, the camera takes us inside some sort of biology room, but there's all sorts of jars of dead things and skeletons, the glass crashes. And then, you know, as you said, the, uh, the trope of every high school, college horror movie gets turned completely around. And, and as you said, now, did you recognize the girl? Nope. Julie Benz from Defiance. Amanda oh, Rosewater. Right. You know, I mean, she kind of looked familiar, but yeah, I didn't make that connection at all. Well, see, now you said she kind of looked familiar. And, and a, another thing that really jumped out at me, the makeup. I mean, yeah. I'm sure Buffy's budget, certainly at the beginning, wasn't extravagant. And I thought the makeup was done really well. You do, yeah. For the, I mean, uh, I, again, for well, I mean, yeah, again, for the, right, right, for the time, because I mean, that's the one thing. You know, again, like I, I feel bad because you're judging something to a degree. You can't help but like notice as I'm watching, like, uh, you know, the makeup's kind of crappy. But by today's standards, you know, by today's production values, this would be w- wouldn't wash at all. You know, I thought the master um, was pretty darn creepy. Yeah, he was definitely creepy, but you know, like it didn't. Again, I go to the believability. You know, like I said last week, I'm watching Game of Thrones, and I know dragons don't exist, but I believe it. You know, because to me, it, it, I don't. My brain doesn't say that's that's fake. I mean, obviously, I know it's fake, but my brain doesn't kind of lock it out. But when you see like the like the kind of the goofy uh, makeup that they had, like you know, that part of me that says clearly you know fake doesn't quite look authentic i mean but then authentic like what how what, what's an authentic vampire look you know but you know it's it's just like it, it's it's something that kind of like in the back of my mind just kind of like going no 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 but but again like i i don't want to offer that up as a criticism because this is a show that's almost 20 years old right sure. so to 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 judge it based on what you know people and artists are able to do nowadays is completely unfair. So while, like I said, while the you know, the makeup was a thing that I noticed, and I, I'm, I, and I know it's makeup, but but yet it, it's not something distracted from the overall you know awesomeness of the the story, the acting, and everything else that was going on. That all the things they did very very well uh, in this. That a show today can have all the all the pyrotechnics and special effects mumbo jumbo, but if the story isn't any good, 
then forget it. You know, to me, that's the important thing, you know. So if I, I see, I look at the makeup, I know it's makeup, big deal. You know, the important thing is the story itself. Yep. And talking about the story, it didn't take me long as I'm, I'm jotting down notes as I'm watching it that, all right, I mean, I think to a large extent, this is Joss's metaphor for the fact that high school can be hell for many kids. I mean, <laughs> high school is a hell mouth. I mean, right. c- like certainly our high school was a hell mouth. Ouch, man. Just, <laughs> yeah, just a couple well, months out and already. I <laughs> uh, know. But I really like that as as an idea. I, I don't know if that's what Joss intended, but I certainly took it that way. And, and, and you and I, I mean, we didn't really talk. We just uh, quick Facebook message. But, you know, the whole idea of the hero's journey, which which clearly that's what's happening here with yeah. Buffy. And we'll get to well, that when, in a whenever, second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So a couple of things that I, that I thought about. If there's only one Slayer in the world at a time, right? is it just a coincidence that Buffy's mother moves them to Sunnydale, which just happens to be the source of the master's attempt to return to action? So when we talk about criticisms, uh, okay, you know what? And that's fine. I, I But maybe it's something I'm missing, but... Yeah, I, I well, certainly when your your daughter is a vampire slayer, it seems like that's going to be something that's really tough to hide from a parent, right? But um, I don't think her mother knows what she is, right? No, she doesn't. Clearly, she doesn't, you know? But but th- that's the thing. Like, I, I agree that it, it was no coincidence that her mother moved her there, and 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 maybe down the line, uh, and again, this is all the Buffy fans are just slapping their heads right now, probably. But I, you know, I imagine down the line, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, we find out that Mom has kind of been in on it the whole time and has just kind of pretended that she didn't know about anything, um, and has you know taken Buffy to the places that she needed to be. Okay. Uh, I mean, the uh, the librarian, I can't remember the name now, but uh, Giles. Oh, Giles, right. He he himself says uh, that it's not a coincidence that she's here, right? Yeah. Well, and I guess what I think we'll we'll find out that happened is that somebody offered her mother a job in Sunnydale, somebody that's connected, because clearly Giles knows that Buffy is coming to Sunnydale. Right. He he tells her as much. So yeah, and 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 honestly, she seems to kind of know who John, not like know him personally, but like she's not surprised that he's there. Right. Sure. Sure. Now, one of the other things that, and we've kind of alluded to this in in the first five minutes of the discussion, you kind of have to look past the slightly over the top dialogue and over the top characters as they develop into full blown archetypes. And I would imagine that things will start to tone down a bit as the series progresses. I mean, I'm going to keep watching, you know, as I get a chance. I, I really enjoyed it. I like the fact Sunnydale's the center of weird occurrences. I mean, that's certainly uh, something that a lot of horror shows uh, have to use. Uh, Midnight Texas, which is currently airing, uh, is using that as, as its uh, focal point, that Midnight Texas is the, the center. Um, so who's the master? I mean, is he the devil? I don't think he's the devil. I think he's just like, seems like a very powerful demon. 
interesting because I mean that's one of the ideas that that gets floated is that you know the traditional religious story has that God created the earth and we've got the Garden of Eden and all of that but but here mm-hmm. the story is that no the bad guys the evil ones had the earth and then they got booted right and now they're just trying to get back. So again, we talked about how you know the the opening trope got flipped around. So you know here this, uh, I guess, creation myth, if you will, gets flipped around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely. All right. Well, the other thing that that really struck me is the way the episodes build the relationships. And I would just, again, just going back for a second, that I think so many people warned us that, well, you can't really judge it off two episodes or, or even one episode. And, and I mean, we realize that, but sure, I still think they really did a good job of doing what really, you know, we, we accused the dollhouse unaired pilot uh, of not doing, which was show us, we'll figure it out. Right, right, right. right. You don't have to tell us. And I think they showed us enough of these different characters and their connections that, okay, all right, we're getting it. And you're still managing to tell a really good story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like how they just threw us into the middle of it. Um, you know, it wasn't a here's how Buffy becomes a vampire slayer. She's already a vampire slayer. She's right. been craft, you know, practicing this craft for a while now. And it just kind of throws us right into the middle of, of the the you know the problem and the issue and everything, and and then kind of like, you know, explains things along as the story moves along, you know. So they they do, they do successfully um, introduce us to this world, uh, and yet uh, tell a story to boot. Yeah, effectively tell a story. Yeah. So in terms of the relationships, I mean, certainly one of the once that I, th- I think is front and center is Buffy and Willow, and and Buffy has this you know, certain amount of self confidence that you know, certainly some high school kids have, but Willow is of course the antithesis of that. No confidence at all. She's innocent, naive, yet she is of course the the one girl that everybody does acknowledge is. The smart girl is the you know if you if you need help academically she would be the one to go to, but just right. that that contrast in personalities I really liked. Yeah, absolutely, and and I kind of you know you know Allison Hannigan you know her other famous role is in um, How I Met oh. Your Mother. Yeah, that's right. She is in How I Met Your Mother too. No, oh my god. What else is she in? What's the team? American Pie. Oh, never saw it. What? I, I'm sorry. It's really actually, it. You know what? It it doesn't. Uh, it didn't age well. Like when I first saw American Pie, I thought it was the funniest movie I'd ever seen in my life. I think I watched it again like a year ago, and I'm like, this this movie sucks. <laughs> like it's not. It's not funny. This is a legitimately a bad movie. How did I ever think it was so funny? Um, because it it's, was like one of the first really shocking, like teen movies. Not shocking, but you know, just they went to like the extremes. You know, anyway. So she plays a character in there who is she's like kind of like a band geek the whole time, and and in the end, uh, it turns out she is much more aware of the world than we had assumed throughout the entire movie. 
Okay. But she, she keeps saying this one time at band camp, and she just keeps saying that this one time at band camp, this one time. And then the, finally at the end, she she says this one time at band camp, and, and what she did with her flute, I'll just leave to your imagination. But when she, like, that that's the point at which the character changed. So basically what the movie did was kind of have her play this character like Willow through the entire movie, and then at the end they flipped it around and she became like the complete opposite. So she became Cordelia. Yeah, I guess a little bit. <laughs> well, well, you know, that's the other one, Buffy and Cordelia, you know, whereas we said Buffy has a certain amount of self-confidence. Willow has very little Cordelia. has got a bit too much, but I, I did find it interesting when she, and I forget who she says it to, and it was almost kind of just offhanded that her mother doesn't get out of bed anymore. And she makes some, reference to some syndrome she has but it really right. struck me that okay you know we see in these first two episodes this girl who thinks she's all that is very condescending to anybody she perceives that's you know not cool and certainly willow would be one of them but then she's got this thing going on at home because i'm assuming there really is something real that she's coping with at home Mm-hmm. And, and and I found that very interesting. But the other thing is, is she going to acknowledge that Buffy saved her? Well, it, it seems like, like she kind of doesn't remember like at the end, right? Well, that's what she says. Yeah, when she's talking to those girls at school. So yeah. I, that, that'll be interesting to see. And, and, and again, with the relationships, because I like that one line early when, when Willow says, well, I saw you talking with Cordelia. Yeah. Well, you're talking with me. Yeah, is that you know? She says something about it being illegal. Or, oh, is that legal or something? Yeah, like that. right. Well, I like the first line when you know, um, you know, Buffy says hi to her, and she's like, "Hi, do you want me to move?" <laughs> you know, that was great. Like poor right. Willow. <laughs> right now, um, Xander and his relationship with Buffy. Uh, I, I would imagine a lot of people have a problem with Xander's character particularly in hindsight, the, the way we're looking at this, this show. So it, it certainly seems a lot of his motivation is geared towards the fact that he has a crush on Buffy. Yeah, but I mean, he's, he's okay. You know, he's pretty brave. Like, like, I mean, there's like having a crush on a girl and then there's like climbing down into underneath a graveyard because you have a crush on a girl. And that's like, Probably more than most guys would go. <laughs> so, so there's I think there's more to Xander than than just the you know the the puppy love type thing. I thought he was pretty cool. I liked him. I don't know why this character popped into my head, but from Marvel's Agents of Shield, Mac. I mean, Ugh. he never follows orders. He jumps in and does stuff that ultimately makes things more difficult for everybody else. I, I don't know. But anyway, we'll get to him in a bit. Um, Buffy and Giles. And, and, and again, when she goes to that club and she sees Giles there and she makes some kind of comment about the fact that it's kind of creepy that a teacher is at this club full of teenagers. Yeah, yeah, that definitely is creepy. And Anthony Head is just kind of a... He kind of like has a creepy manner about him, you know. Like I don't know if you remember the Doctor Who episode. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was uh, David Tennant, and they they went back to a high school. 
Um, and like the the like the faculty and all were aliens. Oh yeah, of course, right. And they were like up in the you know they would yeah yeah they yeah would be well like big Anthony bats Head, or something. You're exactly yes. So Anthony Head was the the headmaster. Yeah, and he was like really creepy in that role, and so so Giles is not creepy per se, but yeah, you're right. Like there, he has some elements about him. Well, I mean, just the fa- again. Yeah, yeah, Certainly, you or I would not be hanging out at a teenage club that... No. No. So, now the other is Willow and Xander, because it seemed to me that she likes Xander, but he's just her friend, right? She, I think she says they've been friends since they were, you know, children. Yeah, well, she, yeah, she said that they used to uh, be together, and, and I think, you know, Buffy asked why they broke up, and she said, well, he stole my Barbie. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so we're introduced to him early on, you know, that, that the first day of school, I, although I'm not sure it's the actual first day of school for everybody, but it's Buffy's first day. I mean, it's hard to tell in California, you know, that kind of weather yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. It, it seemed like, yeah, that school has already, the school year is well along and Buffy is coming to the school as a new student. Right. But we see her, she's having, you know, all of these dreams and then her mother wakes her up because they just moved from out of town and we learn that she got kicked out and all that. But, but obviously Xander's skateboarding and, and I think we could see that a mile away. It's okay. It was still fun when he hits the railing cause he's not paying attention cause he's looking at her and right. I guess you could say we can't blame him. Cannot blame him at all. No. Right. So, uh, I, I love the scene. She's, you know, they're in the hall. She drops her books after bumping into somebody. And I love the fact that the kid she bumped into didn't turn around and give her attitude. You know, again, right. that would be something that, you know, again, I, I'd call that lazy writing. So I, I love the fact that Joss didn't go there, right. but, in, but instead he comes up and helps her with her books and everything. She walks away. Hey, wait, you forgot your steak. You yeah, know, which uh, comes on the heels of her new principal uh, noticing that she burned down her last school's gym. Well, it was full of vamp um, asbestos, which you know doesn't burn very easily. But you know, hey, yeah, it, and, and it's 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 great because you know again, like kind of we toying with those cliches, like the the principal is not like this you know hard ass. He's he rips up her uh, her previous record, but but then tapes it back together once he, he notices something. He starts taping it back together. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, we've mentioned Giles, the librarian. First of all, I, I don't know that I've ever been in a school that's library looked like that. I'll Let's just say that. Right. And, you know, obviously not a lot of people come there as he has the whiteboard up with like you know, all their you know, vampire notes and everything up on it, uh, just sitting out in the open. So, yeah. And, and as soon as she comes in, because she needs a copy of, I think it was the history text, he immediately hands her an old volume on vampires and she right. freaks and, you know, leaves. So who told him she was coming? Obviously there's some sort of vampire network worldwide because he, came from England. This is also his first year at Sunnydale. So the, uh, you know, why don't we go ahead and, and, you know, we can get into some of the episode, 
details, I think, as we talk about it. But before we go too far, I mean, I mean, this really is, or at least it appears to be, a tale of a young girl on a hero's journey, right? I mean, and and we've, mm-hmm. we've talked about this before. I think you had uh, a Project X one time that talked about uh, Campbell's definition of a hero's journey. But certainly, you know, we, we've got a lot of the character archetypes here. And, and uh, you know, obviously the hero with, with, with Buffy. Sure. The call to adventure but like so many of these heroes today, and I, I love this type of hero, the, you know, really is not refusing to answer the call, but clearly reluctant, clearly, as she says a number of times in these two episodes, I just want to be left alone. Right. She just wants to have a normal life and one where she doesn't have to burn anything down and she can just kind of concentrate on being a 16-year-old. Right, but, exactly. Uh, but alas, she's venturing forth. You know, she wants to just live in the the real world. You know, the the common day, away from the supernatural, if if you will. And obviously, people won't let her. Now, Xander's character, played by Nicholas Brendan, um, I, I think to a to a large extent, I'm not sure if it was Campbell that that called him this, but the trickster as one of the character archetypes on the hero's journey. And obviously, as the, the name indicates, trying to trip up the hero. In two episodes, I, I think these archetypes might shift around and we might have new characters mm-hmm. occupy some of these slots. So, so certainly, you know. Well, they that. have to because you can't have Xander, you know, being like just this flat character, like for, I mean, he's in like 145 episodes of this. So, you know, obviously that character is going to grow and develop over that time, right? Well, God, I hope so. Because, I mean, as I said earlier, I mean, he means well, but he does more harm than good. And and you start to think, is he just stupid or is it all about the girl? Now, I think you disagree with me on that. There's certainly, obviously, his attraction to Buffy is is obvious. And, you know, um, but uh, I think... To just say he just does things, he's solely motivated by, you know, like sex or whatever, I, I don't think is, seems like, like it seems off the mark, you know, because like I said, he goes to pretty, you know, great lengths and risks life and limb, you know, to me that, that goes beyond just trying to impress a girl, like, you know, but is he like a thrill seeker? Well, you know, like skateboarding would suggest like he is, you know, and everything, so... But there's, I just thought there was more to Xander. He, when you first see him on the skateboard, you think, oh, he's going to be like, you know, a certain way. And then you kind of like see him as, uh, you know, like his much more developed character than I expected at first, I guess. Now, Willow, as we mentioned Allison Hannigan from How I Met Your Mother and you said American Pie, uh, is the ally. And certainly Buffy's going to have more than one ally, I, w- I would certainly expect. But She's the smart girl. Uh, the, the interesting thing here, t- this is 20 years ago, 1997, and her going on the internet to get this information. And now it would be no big deal. But but really, internet in the average home, I mean, we're talking 1994. So this is three years down the road. So while 
I, I think it's certainly believable kind of that she was able to get the information she got. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. You yeah. know, it doesn't matter right. because what it does is establish is the fact that this is going to be her role on the team. You know, that, mm-hmm. that not that she's not like going to go techie. into the, right. Not that she's not going to go into the field and risk, uh, you know, her, her uh, physical well being because she probably will. And, and she already did to some extent, but you need the person like her. So I, I really love that scene. And then how can you not love the scene when they're working on their coding assignment and Cordelia and the other girl, it's like, well, how do you save it? Hit the deliver key. Mm-hmm. So, Which I don't even know what that is, but apparently well, they erased. Well, <laughs> de- delete, D-E-L. Oh, deliver. Oh, okay. See, I didn't yeah, get so that. She- Okay, so she hits the delete key. All right, so uh, Rupert Giles, played by Anthony Head, who, in addition to the episode of Doctor Who, he's he was in Merlin. Yes, House he was 13. awesome in Merlin, yeah. Uh, Dominion, which I never really got into. I tried to give it a, a, a shot for a while, Demons and Angels, and it just wasn't for me. But within the context of the hero's journey character archetypes, clearly the mentor. And oh, yeah. You know, so uh, giving Buffy that push when she's reluctant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's her know what's expected of her given the circumstances. And I I think he realizes maybe why she's reluctant. But, you know, she's like, why can't you people just leave me alone? Because you're the slayer. Yeah, yeah, I know that. And that's what he's up against. And again, that's going to be a lot of fun, I think, watching the two of them battle each other, knowing full well they're on the same side. All right, Cordelia well, and also, Chase. What you failed to mention about Anthony Head is that uh, also he's the brother of Murray Head. Which you said that. We, I, yeah. Well, I, I don't think it was off the air when I said it, right? Oh, I don't remember now. Oh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. But so Murray Head was uh, probably not quite as famous as his brother, but I don't know, maybe... Uh, he had a big hit in the 80s with One Night in Bangkok, and he was also on the original soundtrack of uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm. Played Judas, which is okay. pretty good. So okay. anyway, all right, there is that. All right. Well, Cordelia Chase, played by Charisma Carpenter, clearly the mean girl. And yep. We'll see. Now, The Shadow, which... And she's basically- she's like seven years older than Sarah... Michelle Galar. Yeah, she looks it. She's too, my age. Yeah. So, wow, yeah. she's that old? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, the master, you know, again, within the context of archetypes, plays the shadow, the villain, the threat and conflict. And uh, now, how long this is going to go through season one, I don't know. But, but clearly, as I think Giles or Buffy says there at the end, I don't think the master's going to give up trying. So I don't know no. if season one's going to be all about that, which would be fine if sure. it is. It's a good you know, story you can kind of continue back to. Right. Yeah. Now, the one character, and, and please don't anybody tell us the answer to this, but that's Angel, played by, and I'm, yeah. I don't know that I'm going to pronounce his last name correctly, David... Boreanaz, 
who was one of the leads in a show called Bones, which I know Michael loves and has seen. Uh, all of I thought he looked familiar, yeah. Okay. I've and, never seen that show, but they see the commercials all the time. So I'm wondering, is he the guardian? You know, that, that person that tests the hero before allowing him or her to take on greater challenges, because that uh-huh. kind of seems to be what, what he's all about at this point. Wow, I'm surprised you succeeded, he says, after he finds out, you know, what happened. So who is Angel? What is Angel? Don't know. But yeah, why is he so, like, not useful as far as, you know, like helping Buffy, you know? Well, but I think it was that he wanted to see how she would fare on her own and that that was part of the test. And, and so I get that, but still who is he and what is he? And then, uh, Darla who's played by Julie Benz from defiance. So she's clearly one of the, uh, vampires, which, or, or who survives because we do see her. I think somebody throws holy water at her, but yes, you see a little bit of smoke, but then you see her run, a, run away. Yeah, so I'm assuming good, yeah. she's going to return at at some point i i hope sure. so she's she's cool it's julie ben so i like that so our basic storyline revolves around the fact that there is this hellhole underneath sunnydale that is the portal that's holding back the master and once he gets onto earth that all hell will break loose no pun intended and um, it will eventually be the end of mankind. So, uh, you know, so it's not as if the uh, the foe is not formidable because hey, it's the end of mankind at at yeah at risk very, here. Very, very formidable. Yeah. Every trope in the book is used. Somebody's following her. That doesn't mean her harm. We hear the cat crying in the dark. The guy gives her the silver cross. Tells her to be ready for the harvest. What's the harvest? But I don't care. I still like it, even though they were, you know, all, all of these horror movie tropes. I liked it, and, and yeah. I think I think the reason I liked it is because it doesn't take itself so seriously. Yet you get to the end of the second episode, and you know you're you're drawn into the story. Sure, sure, and you're right. It, it doesn't take itself super seriously, but you know, but yet it it's uh, a serious thing that. That they're dealing, you know, like like you said, the end of the world and everything. Um, you know, we've had numerous conversations about you know the the role of of tropes and cliche and conventions. I guess we could call it in a nice way um, in in television shows. And in some ways, they can be useful because it's something we're used to and comfortable with, and we can you know they don't need to spend a lot of time, like we said, telling us things. Because they can just show us, or we understand it kind of instinctively. Um, like we get Willow, we don't need fifteen examples of of Willow being picked on, or or her, you know, having to act, you know, acting meekly. Um, pretty much right away, we we get that she's like the smart girl, and she's insecure a little bit, and she gets picked on, and. But then yet she's, you know, we also kind of figure and what happens is she's going to show this kind of inner determination, this, you know, that she has some, uh, some steel in her spine, so to speak. So like I said, we don't need to, they don't need to tell us that. They don't need to, to you know, drum us over the head with it. We get it and, and it can be useful. 
But on the other hand, also conventions can be useful to flip around, like we said, like the very opening scene, you know, where you're expecting something to happen and then the opposite happens. You're like, oh, well, that was clever, you know. So I think they do a good job of kind of mixing it, you know, with with both. You know, Well, you know, it's interesting that you said that because in my last Killjoy's review for Den of Geek, I, I, I wrote in there that, you know, sometimes things become tropes because they just work. You know, right? And I think that's what was that? A, what was in Killjoy's? Um, we talked about. Well, you know, one of any time you've got the two characters that look alike. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are certain I think story arcs that seem to pop up all the time. You know, it's like the the one the bad one is pretending to be the good one and she does something bad because she knows the good one will get blamed and you know, right. that kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I thought they were going there. Fortunately, they, they didn't. You really, you got to watch the leftovers, man. Well, yeah, maybe sometime, but uh, um, now, now you had mentioned, and I agree with you that, that they don't beat us over the head with Willow and her meekness on the other hand. And again, I'm okay with it. They sort of do the opposite with Cordelia. We do see a lot of instances of sure. her just being flat out mean. Right. And I wonder what her role down the road is going to be because as people become aware and again the four of them discuss it at the end of the second episode that we know something that no one else knows. So right. how you know will this circle expand a little bit? And, and you wonder whether somebody like Cordelia, who was in the club, who did see whether or not she actually remembers, like you said, we're not sure about that. But it, it, I, I find that fascinating, and, and I can't wait to see how she reacts and what she ends up becoming aware of as we you know, move on. But the other thing related to the club, Giles, who, who is – clearly going to mentor her tells her, you know, you should be able to recognize a vampire without even trying. And I love, it. it's like, yeah, that guy right there. Yeah. Really? Well, look what he's wearing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Only somebody that's been underground for 10 years or whatever she says. Uh, right. That's, and that's, and yeah, of course she's that's right. A fair point there. Yeah. And she turns out to be right. Um, but then that's. So what, unfortunately she would probably peg me as a, vampire as well just because i don't really haven't bought new clothes in a while so yeah um yeah god <laughs> i'm telling you the uh, the male english teachers in our department were a paragon of fashion i must say <laughs> uh you got big shoes to fill with uh, yeah yeah without, no. without me and kate's i can't i can't hope to can't <laughs> help to do that <laughs> all right but one of my favorite lines and there were a lot of them they go after, I forget which vampire it was, but um, she loses them and Giles asks her, you know, is the vampire dead? And she says, no, but my social life is on the critical list. <laughs> right. And, and, and I just Which love, is important. <laughs> well, well, it is. And, and again, I think that, that's one of the things that, that really attracts me to Buffy's character is that. Uh, although she does seem a little mature for a sophomore. All right, right. She's just 16, right? And her mother says she's 16, so that must mean it's the spring, right? Otherwise, 
I guess, you know, California. Of course, well, of course, I guess you could argue that she's been kicked out of schools before, so maybe she really is a year behind. But sure. anyway, <laughs> anyway, or maybe I, her mom wants her to play Division One sports, so she held her back a year, so she'll be older than her peer group, and and maybe she could then, because <laughs> she is small, then she'll have to play point guard. Oh wait, that's Misty Knight, right? Mary is totally hooked on Luke Cage. I told you. So well, yeah. I mean, I, I understood that I might get into it. I'm right. just sh- shocked that she. So we're on yeah. episode ten at this point in three okay. days. Oh wow! Yeah, that's so. awesome. That's such a great show. Like I really, that's uh, it's awesome. Well, I, I got to tell you, this is. <laughs> I was under the impression. I don't know why. Maybe coming off the defenders, that Luke Cage was only eight episodes. Oh, okay. so so we're watching okay this episode is so this is it so you know we're thinking like all right well how are they gonna tie this up yeah. and then you get to the end <laughs> the the last scene they throw him in the garbage truck i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> that can't be the yeah. end yeah well it, it wasn't <laughs> and then i go and you know i look oh so then i wasn't sure whether to be happy there are five more or you know but anyway Right, right. Well, I get it because you're kind of like expecting like, you know, some resolutions to happen. Right, yeah, some resolution. You're like, they're definitely not resolution at the end of that one. Right, that's that's what you call cleaning up New York? Okay. <laughs> okay again, must be a metaphor that you're in the trash can cleaning. Okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, okay, again, another trope that I still like it. The guy that's got Willow, he knows a shortcut. Where's the shortcut? Yeah. Through the cemetery. Through through the graveyard. Right, of course. And into a crypt. And, you know, we really feel for Willow, though, because uh, we know she likes Xander, and we're not sure what's going on in her head. She doesn't seem the type that would be, oh, I'm going to go with this guy right. and try to make Xander jealous. That that doesn't seem to be what she's all well, about. No, I mean, it's just uh, an attractive male was talking to her. And where'd they say they were going to go? They, I mean, what, they weren't the going The ice somewhere. cream shop. Right, right. So, um, you know, like she's just, she's a, you know, like a normal girl who, when a you know attractive male talks to her, she's, you know, happy. Well, right. And and she doesn't have a lot of experience with, with right. that. So, True. again, we really feel for her that she's in this situation. Uh, we do learn a lot about Buffy in terms of her skills and how it is that she's able to leap over that fence. Yeah. We don't know. I mean, certainly fighting skills she could have learned. And right. we assume she did, but that kind of borders on you know, something a little Marvel-like. Well, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, supernatural ability. And we see a couple times like that she's like super strong. When, um, oh, she pounds that door open. Right, right. You know, she, and, and things like that. And so, you know, we, we see obviously she's got, uh, uh, you know, strength that goes beyond the, uh, you know, what would be normally. Yeah, like you said, I mean, she leaped over the fence. You know? Right. And, you know, we get a few fight scenes, and, and I've said many times I'm not a big fan of fight scenes, but they keep these short and tight. And, you know, again, I thought they were fine. 
But we do establish that Buffy can be hurt when the alien bounty hunter throws her against the wall. Did you get that yes. reference? Um, the alien bounty hunter throws no. I Nope. The, the guy that played Luke, uh-huh. you know, he, he was the alien bounty hunter in the X-Files. Oh, which, how name. would I know that? I, I know you. That's, that's why I threw it in there. Just to, <laughs> Okay. All right. Um, but, but it establishes she can be hurt. So it's not right. as if she can go into these things. Uh, and, and, and look, she's got a lot of attitude. And I think a, a part of it comes from the fact that she doesn't want to be here. Yes. You know, I just want to go to high school. I want to be a normal girl. I mean, you know, her first day, you know, you, you know, the outfit she wears is, is certainly different from what she wears when she's right. fighting demons. Killing, which, killing which, vampires, right. Exactly, which, which makes perfect yeah. sense. But the outfit she wears on the on the first day, it's like, you know, I want to establish myself as, as you know, this, this attractive girl. And, uh, you know, I'll establish myself as being smart as well because she, you know, talks to Willow about getting caught up in that one class. You know, she's looking around for a textbook. So she just wants to be a normal kid. And I love that attitude that, you know what? I don't want to be here. I don't want to have to kill you, but damn it, I'll kill you anyway. Right. Stake through the heart. Yeah. Well, I mean, she, as as much as she's resistant to the call to action, she, because she's a hero, she she does not fail to answer it, right? Right. She, she still does what needs to be done because it, it needs to be done. You know, that's what heroes do. Right. You know, Absolutely. now, now one really excellent narrative decision, I think is to reveal Buffy's identity fairly early on in the series. And, and by that, I mean, to Willow, well, like in the Xander. title, what do you oh, mean? Oh, I get to, no, I, I mean, to the other, you said kids. they reveal their identity. I'm like, it's right there in the title, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Know, like, so Willow and Xander now know what's going on. I think obviously Jesse, uh, he's a done deal. I guess they'll have to kill him later. But even that's going to bring up. No, didn't he died? Oh, he did die. Oh, right, right, right. Remember, right. he got. It, it was funny how they did it because you know Xander obviously was not going to stake him, and then some girl just like bumped him from behind. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and he that, fell off the stake. That, that was pretty awesome. Did, so, did you recognize that that guy? Uh, Jesse. Well, I did, but I don't know from what. Well, I well, I mean, it, it didn't. I had to actually look this up. I knew I'd, I'd seen him in something, and I just couldn't remember what. But he has. He was on uh, Twenty Four. He was Milo, oh. the, like the. Uh, oh my yeah. God! You're yeah. right. I forgot One of the guys about at that. CTS. But he's. Uh, wow. But there's a genre show he, he's in. Yeah, like, uh, well, I'm just looking at it now, like Haven. I never saw Haven. Did you see? I, I didn't. No, I, I think Haven? I have. I think I have a vague understanding of the of the premise. But uh, Christine, the TV sh- series? Mm, no, Stephen King. No. Short story, probably. <laughs> uh, no Ordinary Family. Yeah. Um, Valamont. I saw the movie. But I don't know if that's what he was in or not, but. He was in the TV. I don't know. Other than that, like, yeah. all right. Well, anyway, yeah. um, you know, so, so we get to the end of the episode. She gets thrown into the crypt and Luke jumps in with her. The earth will belong to the old ones. And then of course we get the, to be continued. 
Which yeah, that was a classic to be continued cut. You know, just yeah. like really just like right as Fonzie's about to jump over the shark. Yeah. Now, I'm sure one of the Buffy experts would know whether or not the intention all along was to air these two episodes back to back on the same night because they were just seamless. Uh, episode yeah. two, The Harvest, written by Joss Whedon and directed by John T. Kretschmer, immediately picks up where episode one leaves off and it doesn't take long for her to escape save everybody uh but jesse's taken by darla and and you know then they get back to the library and at this point it's interesting to see how xander and willow are going to process what it is they've just seen and i think it takes a little bit longer for xander to come to terms willow and maybe this is just because she's smarter. Okay. That's what I saw. You know, and you almost might argue that somebody more intelligent would be less inclined to believe you know, the, mm-hmm. these supernatural things, but it seems to go the other way, which I like. You, you agree, like someone who is intelligent would be more skeptical, right? But yet she, you know, like saw these things firsthand. So it's. It's tough to uh, shrug those off, you know. Yeah, and and Buffy, you know, basically kind of parries any doubt she had because she she says, you know, like basically, I know what you're thinking. Like she says the the you know the the rational explanations that could possibly be. She's like, yeah, I, I said the exact same thing when I first encountered vampires. Yep. And you know, again, I do, we'll probably find out at what age. That was, how young was she when she found out that she was a slayer? Right, because she's only 16, right? So, yeah, how long has she been at this? Right, exactly. Well, enough to get a little jaded about it, right? Yeah. Like, she's definitely not new to this game, and, you know, she's enough to be, there's a certain, and, you know, like, you said how she's more mature. She's also, yeah, because she's, like, world-weary, well, that's you know? a yeah, that's a great way to describe it, and and I, I don't think we can read too much into the opening scene. You know, the whole idea of the mother having to drag the teenager out of bed to go to school. I'm, I'm sure that's a common occurrence for uh, many yeah. parents of teenagers. <laughs> but you know, the, as you said, I mean, you know, she's different, and I think world weary is probably a great way to describe that. But at the mausoleum. Angel shows up again and tells her that if she doesn't stop the harvest, the master will walk tonight and tell which point I'd be like, you're going to give us an assist here, angel, like, you know, a little help. Well, and that's, if you're that afraid of this harvest, exactly. Yeah. But so you're sending me in. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, well, we learn, you know, we again, we learn a little bit of the backstory that that apparently, and again, I always like the fact that, you know, well, sixty years ago at this very same place, this happened, and you know, again, there's some sort of connection that I think Willow, during her the course of her research, finds out. But the harvest apparently only comes once a century, and it's all about getting him enough power that he can escape because there's some sort of like little force field that looks like it's holding him in. Right. And then how classic Buffy goes home for her supplies 
but her mother won't let her leave. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what really leads me to believe that her mother has no clue what her daughter is. But, but yet she doesn't really do an effective job of making sure her daughter doesn't leave. Well, that's true. Because she leaves right away. Like, you know, like, so I think that, that to me might be evidence that mom's kind of in on it in a pretending not to know type way. Okay. Um, now, the one right. thing that I, I don't understand, and maybe there's a good reason for it, all the vampires go to the club where Cordelia and her friends have gone, and apparently it's the only club in Sunnydale. Apparently, Sunnydale's a very small town, which I think is, is a good idea from a narrative perspective. You, you, know, you keep the sphere of reference tight. But why do they not revert to their human form yeah. simply to make things easier getting into the club? Yeah, well, you know, plus they don't have ID. <laughs> right. Which I'm like, ID? Like, you got a club full of high school kids, dude. Like, at what point were you actually checking IDs? Oh, good. Another good point. You know? Um, I, I, I assume there's like an underage club that like, I don't know. It was just, I, when he said ID, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, so they get through all of that. And, then, and of course, this is the scene where Buffy saves Cordelia and then takes on Luke. Essentially, they stop the immediate threat. But as we mentioned earlier, Giles is under no illusions. The master's going to keep trying. And again, now you might have gotten this reference. Did you see Buffy with the red lollipop at the very end? I did see her with the red lollipop. And And you immediately start thinking of? Blood drive. Yeah, Of course. I love the nod to blood drive. How did Joss know? Right. Oh, wait, you're going to tell me it's the other way around? No. It, it it's potentially is the other way around. I just think the, I mean, in Blood Drive, it is so blatantly a sexual thing. You know, I don't think it was really so much here. No, know, I, don't I think agree. It was just more, I think, in, in Buffy... Uh, you know, I, 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 obviously you took note of it, especially if once you've seen blood drive, you will never fail to notice an attractive woman eating a lollipop. Like it's just, you're never going to, that's never going to be something you don't notice, but it's actually, I think the opposite effect in Buffy where it's just kind of a, like a, 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 it displays her, her innocence. And her youth, like here, she's just like a kid with yes. a lollipop, right? We see you doing all these dangerous things and and killing vampires, and then here she is with a lollipop, like she's just a little kid, you know? And exactly. So, and once you've seen Blood Drive, you will never be the same after that. So. That is that is true, man. That show is disturbing. Is it over yet? It's good. Uh, no, not yet. Okay. I think they got one more episode to go. Maybe how many were? How many episodes was? It? Was it 13? Uh, 13, yep. So it might be one or two more. So I don't know. It's a crazy show. I like it. So, All right. Um, you know, I, that's pretty much all I've got. Is there something else you want to add to it? Uh, No, no. It's good. That's pretty much, I think, covered it for the most part. It's a really good show. You know, Joss Whedon, obviously. I, 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 I didn't, 
you know, in a way, I just assumed I was going to like it right from the start. So there really was no question of, like, I don't think I ever, I would have been very surprised if at the end of this I said, you know, I don't think I really like that very much. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so. yeah, it was good. Okay. Yeah, because I'm going to try to keep watching. I mean, it's not on Netflix. And, and again, I pu- uh, put up the uh, the two episodes that I found on, God, I keep forgetting the name of that website, but. Um, Daily Motion, I think. Daily Motion, right. So I think they have all of season one up there. So I'm going to, you know keep knocking them out as I get a chance. But, but yeah, yeah, I'm really glad that we finally got to uh, take a look at this. And, you know, before we go into our, our closing segment, uh, I put up on the Facebook group, basically what we're going to be doing for the next two months as we, you know, fill that gap before getting into travelers. So if you want to check that out, we still got two open dates that, we haven't decided yet how we're going to fill, but but you'll see it there. So that the dates there are the week of, and then the idea is that we will release that episode on you know the Friday of that week. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, we want to thank you guys for joining us cool. tonight. So, what are we doing next? Oh, I'm going to tell you in a second. Love okay. to hear what you think about Dollhouse, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, anything else in genre TV encourage you to join the facebook group share your thoughts with the sci-fi tv rewatch community if you're already a member spread the word emails to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website and we're going to be back next week to talk about episode one of season one of the 2015 netflix series sensei but oh yeah that's right until then dave you know it's coming together I'd rather wish it weren't. <laughs>